Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Welcome to a special post-NCAA Tournament Men's Basketball Championship edition of March Madness 365. I'm your host, Andy Katz. It is early Tuesday morning, and on Monday night, we saw an epic national championship game. 85-77, victory for Virginia in overtime over Texas Tech. There are a number of things to discuss on this. You're going to hear from Tony Bennett with me late on Monday night, well past midnight, close to 1 a.m. as uh, I presented the National Association of Basketball Coaches trophy to Tony and the entire team at the Nicollet Mall in downtown Minneapolis and, and hear from others. I mean, it really is and was an unbelievable evening. Then we're going to get to my pre-pre-pre-season Power 36 uh, that we always do sort of right after a national championship game. Uh, it'll change countless times because of the NBA draft early entry deadline. But there's a number of things I want to discuss with you first. Okay. Number one, those that were criticizing this game in advance before it even occurred. I never understand that ever, whether it's, you know, in basketball, football, I don't care the sport, tennis, politics, everyone anticipating something is going to be a letdown. Well, <laughs> this was not. Sometimes, they, you know, obviously they call soccer the beautiful game. This was a beautiful game in the sense that it delivered. It had deliverables. And the deliverables were that we got an epic national championship game in overtime. Great performances. Think about Brandon Francis for Texas Tech. Plays 37 minutes off the bench and scores 17 points. Jared Culver goes 5 for 22, but he played 41 out of 45 minutes. Scores 15 and hit big buckets. Davide Moretti for Texas Tech scored 15. Uh, Matt Mooney uh, chipped in with 10, but all, all these guys had timely buckets for Texas Tech. And before we move to Virginia, I will tell you that Texas Tech, uh, for those that were sort of late to this, was an incredible story really throughout the season, dating back to last year, uh, and in this NCAA tournament. They had not had a close game in this NCAA tournament. Everyone else essentially had, but not Texas Tech, okay? They had not. And they performed at such a high level, knocking off Buffalo, beating Michigan handily, Gonzaga, and then Michigan State before losing to Virginia in overtime. They showed great resiliency, resolve. Matt Mooney, as I mentioned, I mean, what a tremendous story he was coming from Air Force, South Dakota, and then as a fifth-year transfer, uh, graduate, grad transfer as a fifth-year student. First of all, sidebar, they shouldn't change that rule. If you are a quality student and doing it the right way, it's a great thing to finish your career at a higher level, especially when you come from 
Air Force South Dakota and then this. I mean, what memories Matt Mooney will have for the rest of his life because he was tremendous in this NCAA tournament. Tariq Owens, um, he ends up fouling out, had a really nasty ankle injury in the semifinal on Saturday, comes back, starts, yeoman's work out of him, and Chris Beard and their staff. But Chris Beard, really, I knew him, got to know him, and really enjoyed his company with the fireside chats, his little shtick that we did that uh, I was a part of. We did four of them in the NCAA tournament uh, in Anaheim and then here in uh, Minneapolis. And uh, he's genuine. He's real. What you see is what, uh, who he is. So just a tremendous effort for Texas Tech. This was supposed to be like a low-scoring affair because it's the two best defenses in the country. They could always score both these teams. And what we always covet, what we want in a situation like this, is we want great basketball, compelling basketball. And that's exactly what we got. That was the deliverable. We got compelling basketball, dramatic, with players making plays, veteran guys making plays. You know, the only significant freshman on the floor was Kia Clark for Virginia. And it was interesting on our Twitter watch show during the broadcast, uh, former Virginia player and current NBA uh, player uh, for the Bucks, Malcolm Brogdon, was saying it takes like a year and a half to learn this defense and here's Clark as a freshman starter which is great and you know look did he have great numbers no but he had four assists and just two turnovers so it's a great ratio and led this team uh Kyle Guy and DeAndre Hunter and Ty Jerome all stepped up when it mattered most Guy was you got 24 points big shots made all four free throws like he did the other night where he had three that he had to, to win the game with 0.6 against Auburn DeAndre Hunter, um, he had really been struggling of late, and yet he steps up with 27 points, 7-9 from the line. Ty Jerome, big shots, 16, 8 assists, 1 turnover. Braxton Key comes off the bench to transfer from Alabama. He has 10 boards. Just such a great team effort. So uh, it irritates me, and it should for those of us that are true basketball fans or mainstream fans, when you read things prior to this tournament, or to this game, I should say, saying that this game was going to be boring and it was going to set basketball back. Okay, first of all, the argument that this was going to be akin to what we saw you know, in 2000 between Wisconsin and Michigan State in that national semifinal, or 2011 between UConn and Butler, that wasn't going to happen. These teams had shown that they could play at a high level offensively, and None of them stumbled to this point. Virginia was a one seed. They won the ACC regular season. So why would anyone think that they weren't going to be a good watch? Texas Tech shared the Big 12 regular season title with K-State. They crushed their competition, essentially, extending leads late. They were a dominant team. So why would anyone think that they weren't going to you know, deliver? Okay? That was never going to be the case. So... All of that delivered on Monday night with an unbelievable championship game with the Virginia Cavaliers being the national champions. So I'm going to pick this up, but I first want you to hear my conversation very quickly that I had with Tony Bennett walking off the stage Monday night after I gave them the NABC trophy. As we're walking off the stage, 
and you're hearing we are the champions for Virginia. How, how surreal is this? It is surreal. That's the song that you grow up listening to uh, by Queen, and, you know, they're singing it, and it's about you, and, you know, in, in the college basketball to win the, the biggest thing, it's, it's really sweet. You have remained calm throughout all of this. How come? Well, I'm sure there'll be a time when I'll break and say, wow, but uh, just I'm so thankful. And, you know, when you're overcome with gratitude and thankfulness and I'm, you almost feel undeserving, actually, I really do, to, to be in this spot, it just gives you a gladness and a peace, and um, I'm thankful for that. You know, we think back to all the different moments in this tournament, and I, I still can't get over what occurred at the end of the Purdue game in regulation. Can you? No, it's so many improbable things have happened. John Feinstein said, he, he said, if you if you went to Disney and pitched this story, they'd say to they'd say, you know what, it's too unrealistic. We need it to be more true. <laughs> so I think that says a lot. The way this game developed, you know, it just felt like it was exactly the way you were going to win. It was going to have to be like this if you're going to win a national championship. No doubt, and that's what these games are at. Our guys stepped up and made plays. They made plays. And, um, you know, what DeAndre did making the shots and Ty and Kyle, it was momity to make the free throws. And, you know, was, of course it was going to be dramatic with us involved. You knew that. That's been really the MO with this group, isn't it? I mean, the fact that you guys are always ready for the moment, it feels like. Well, you got to answer. No, these guys, they've been put in pressure spots. They've had a face... Um, a lot of pressure all year and live with stuff, but they've responded. And they say the saying goes, when you whip a, uh, a donkey, <laughs> it kicks. When you whip a thoroughbred, it responds. And these young men have responded. And lastly, Tony, when you took this job, what did you think was really plausible? Well, I hoped one day, you know, you could touch a Final Four, but I didn't know. I just wanted a chance, and that's why I mentioned the Rocky Post from my office. I just wanted a chance at a title fight, whether I'm in a conference title or that, but of course this. So um, you always hope, but you never know. But it's, uh, I'm, it's been faithful, and it's been good. Congratulations, Tony. Thanks, Andy. The plan last night, or Monday night, I should say. I mean, I'm taping this Tuesday when you're listening. The plan was for us to trail the bus from the U.S. Bank Stadium to Nicolet Mall, and we had a car waiting for us. Well, <laughs> what happened was there was no driver, and we're waiting, and we're waiting, and we're waiting for the driver, and the driver doesn't show. The bus leaves, and you got to just try to feel my stress here because I knew there were hundreds of people waiting in the um, Nicolet Mall area. It is past midnight. They've got the streets closed. They've got the band playing. You've got a team that just won the national championship and clearly wants to relax to some degree, okay, and, and enjoy it before they meet their fans. And they're waiting for me. And we have no driver, okay? So that is stressful. Driver finally shows up. We're stressed. It's me and our, my producer, Louise. And he then goes the wrong way. And we end up miles away when I've walked from U.S. Bank Stadium to Nicollet Mall four times this week. 15-minute walk. It's only like, you know, mile and a half, whatever it is. So he goes the wrong way. Finally, we're texting, trying to get everyone to get there. We finally get in the vicinity of where we're supposed to be, and he drops us off two and a half blocks away. We literally are sprinting, sprinting through crowds and everything to finally, through the band and everyone else, to get up there. And then I race up there and uh, hand the trophy. So there's a little craziness on the sidebar. But before that, it's a little backstory for you. 
I'm walking with Tony Bennett from the locker room to the bus. And I was amazed at how calm he was, which is what he's been all along. Okay. And he just remained so calm. And then he was like, okay, so now what? You know, there was a quote earlier this week from Billy Donovan who said he was kind of depressed after he won that second national championship at Florida. Now the head coach at Oklahoma City. Because you've reached that pinnacle. You've worked so hard for this. And then what do you do? You know, that self-motivation to get back up to do it again and again. Not easy. And so all of that is swirling through, you know, the coaches' heads at these kind of points. So it's amazing when I was just walking with him. And I've walked with other national championship coaches. There's family and all that. And his family had gone ahead. So uh, that's not unusual in that case. But he, he just was like, you know, he just he goes, I just won that. You know, I asked him, you just won the national championship. And it's just like almost surreal because you work so hard for that. When you think about what occurred from last year and losing a basketball game, and that's all it was to UMBC. And to have all the pieces for the most part come back and to be able to do it again. And win the national championship. I mean, that just does not happen in a normal situation to be able to occur, to, to, for that to occur. So I want to try something else here. There were a lot of interviews that were done on the court with Virginia in the emotion. I want you to sort of savor all of that and listen. You hit the three biggest free throws of your life Saturday night. How would you describe some of the big shots and free throws that occurred for you tonight? Yeah, this whole team was so resilient and, you know, 14 for 14 in overtime. And, you know, we didn't miss too many free throws the whole game. We made shots when it mattered. We got stops. You know, I was a small part of this success, and I'm just happy to be a part of it. Why does this team never get basically rattled in any way? You know, when you we were rattled once in my career here, and that was at UMBC game. And we told ourselves never again and to be able to, you know, not erase that from history because I, I love it. I don't want to forget it. And that's always going to be there. But we're on the good side of history this time. When you walked out that court, I asked you this before, but now that you've won it, how did you feel? How did you see this year being scripted? Man, that 30 for 30 is going to be a hell of a movie, I promise. So I'm really excited for, for this team, for the program, the university, my family, everything. I, I could go on for days. And days, but I don't have the adjectives you want. I don't, but this is freaking awesome. Congratulations. Thank you. Ty, you just completed an unbelievable story from what occurred last year to now winning the national championship. How would you describe what has happened in the last year to win this title? Speechless, man. I'm speechless. Um, it's just a testament to our coaching staff, our unity, our hard work. You know, we came together when everyone counted us, counted us out. You just played in one of the most epic national championship games. How did you guys end up forcing an overtime? You know, coaches believes in us so much. You know, I missed a floater, and he called that same play again. They helped. I found Dre, and he hit a big shot. Defense was supposed to be the narrative here, and yet this was a great offensive game. What was it like to play in this national championship game? Unbelievable, man. I mean, this is the first time I just look around, take all this in. This is what you dream of. Ty Drome, you're a national champion. Thank you so much. Mamadi, go back to the shot you hit against mm -hmm. Purdue to send it into overtime. Yeah. There's been so many magical moments in this yeah. NCAA tournament. How do you describe what's occurred with Virginia? Uh, 
we work really hard, you know, and every time that you work really hard, it's going to pay off at some point. And now it's paying off. And the shot against Purdue, I guess, gave us a lot of lift and made us believe that the game, until the game is over, it's not over. And that's what we, you know, we ignite every, every night. It felt like there was momentum shifting at one point with Texas yeah. Tech. How did you guys reclaim it? I mean, when you were down, the only way to, you know, come back and win was to be locked in or focused and not worried about the outside noise. They had a lot of fans here tonight and just execute what the coach, the, the, the staff gave us. And that's what we did. Congratulations. Thank you a lot. Congratulations. Thank you. You're a national champ as a freshman. How'd you pull this off? Um, together. Um, our coaches always say is uh, united pursuit, and that's what we did. We, we played together. People came off the bench and played big-time minutes. Um, we just pulled it off together. How did the team not get rattled when Texas Tech was right there to take the lead and it looked like momentum had shifted? Um, we got a lot of veterans on the team that, that really keep this team composed, and we've been in this situation a lot over the year, uh, over the year and uh, we just play our game and, and never, uh, never get rattled. Let me tell you, your pass against Purdue is going to go down in Virginia lore. How does that feel? Um, it means a lot just to, just to be uh, known as uh, one of the best players in history, and um, I'm grateful. Congratulations. Thank you. When we look back at the NCAA tournament, March Madness always, 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 always delivers. Okay? Think back to this NCAA tournament. Early on, for Auburn, for example, in the New Mexico State game, chance to tie it. The Aggies don't. They're looking for a three instead. Auburn wins. Auburn ends up beating Kansas, North Carolina. Late in that game, Chumo Kiki tears his ACL. I'm in the locker room after. It was solemn, crying. People are crying, and it's just, you know, they, they go into the Elite Eight. Then in that game, they beat their rival, Kentucky. Then in the national semifinal, they lose to Virginia on a three-shot foul with .6 left. You can't script it. Michigan State ends up almost, well, playing poorly in the first half against Bradley. They got to get through that. They play Minnesota, beat LSU. Then they play Duke. And Kenny Goins, it's the biggest shot, Tom Izzo told me, for a team ever to get to the Final Four. That's what he said. And Michigan State gets to the Final Four by knocking off Duke. Virginia, early on, they're down at the half to Gardner-Webb, and it looks like deja vu from last year. They get through that, end up beating Oklahoma, Oregon, and in the Elite Eight against Purdue, Carson Edwards goes for 42 points. And Virginia wins by in overtime because in regulation, Kia Clark off a tap out by Mamadi Diakite from a missed Ty Jerome free throw. Follow me here. He races, the, gets the ball down, looks off Ty Jerome and Kyle Guy, two veteran players who are likely going to shoot it. Or maybe even Clark would have shot it because the clock's going down to the final second. Throws a touch pass on the money to Diakite who then converts it. You can't script stuff like this. It was perfect. And they win in overtime. And then the way they won against Auburn in at the end of regulation with a three shots by Kyle Guy. Now, you know, obviously there's a big controversy about the double dribble that wasn't called on Ty Jerome, but his shirt was pulled before that. So you could argue the officials missed 
two calls possibly, but that's human error. And so shirt pull, double dribble. The reality is officials make mistakes. Nothing is perfect. You can't do replay on something like that. It's a bang, bang play, as they say. And I thought Auburn head coach Bruce Pearl handled this perfectly. I mean, he did it right. He said the right things. Okay. He did everything right in every way. So go back. Fletcher McGee from Wofford. Great shooting performance against Seton Hall. People will remember his name. John Morant, who's going to be a top five NBA pick. He ends up, you know, shattering with a triple-double uh, record. And that happened since Draymond Green of Michigan State. That happened against Marquette in the first round. You know, he had upsets like Liberty over Mississippi State, UC Irvine over Kansas State. We had the whole Duke run, <laughs> the Taco Fall, seven foot six of UCF versus Duke, where Taco met Zion. Zion did not, Zion Williamson did not dunk on him like Taco had told me. And Aubrey Dawkins misses a putback, which was not an easy shot, but misses that opportunity to beat Duke. And then the next round, Virginia Tech misses an opportunity to tie him. And, uh, you know, it looks like Duke's is blessed like Virginia to get to the Final Four. And then Kenny Goins hits the shot for Michigan State. This tournament delivered. You know, sometimes, oh, there aren't enough upsets. Well, what you want more than anything is we had some early, which is usually the case. But you want drama. And we got drama at the end. That's exactly what we got. So that delivered. The drama delivered. Like it does every year. And veteran players stepped up. And... If the one and done goes away, um, which it likely will in a couple of years, you're still going to have teams like what we saw last night delivering in front of 70,000 plus, an unbelievable experience, a great game, great drama, and it just keeps reinventing itself and uh, recycling. And I love seeing some of these moments. You know, I mentioned the crying in the Auburn locker room. You know, for me, one of my moments that'll stay with me is being right there. And I had a little cameo just because on the screen, I could see myself in the one shining moment when Dick uh, Bennett was, I was about to interview him and Tony Bennett comes over and gives him a hug. This is in Louisville and just says, thank you because it was Dick Bennett that who ended up going out of retirement in Wisconsin, going to Washington state, very difficult job, gets it done. Tony takes over. They take some sweet 16, which is rare at Washington state. Then he gets a Virginia job. None of that happens without Dick's decision. I mean, Tony obviously had to, to pull it off, but still, and then just, he was thankful. You know, it was a great father son moment. Loved it. Loved it. Loved it. Loved it. Dick, I just want to, I have to know, what are you feeling at this moment right now? Well, I think I said it to you last week there. There are times when your feelings kind of dent your mind a little bit and, and it just robs you of the appropriate words. And that's kind of where I am right now. I'm just, I'm so happy. Uh, perhaps the happiest day I can remember. You couldn't come on Saturday. What drove you here to make sure you were here for this game? I, I Well, the same thing that has always brought me to a game, and that is when I fear... Uh, a potential loss, not that I didn't against a great Auburn team, but I just didn't want to be here if if 
my son's team lost. I wanted to be here as much for that as for this. From a basketball perspective, how did they pull this off? Well, they got a lot of great individual plays, and, and DeAndre Hunter offensively, you know, really broke out. And it just, their big plays were so timely, and they got just enough defense uh, at the right time. And, I mean, these are, when you get into an overtime at the end of a game, it just, it's, you can never tell what's going to happen. It just, things rolled right for us and not quite right for them, or it could have been the other way around. Tony told me that you made an ultimate sacrifice in your coaching career by going out of retirement to Washington State. You gave him his start. Why did you believe he could do something like this? Well, I, I obviously wasn't thinking about this, but as long as he wanted to coach, I wanted to see that he had a chance. And Jim Sterk, the AD at the time, didn't guarantee, but said, likely, we will give him that job. And I'm so happy that he, that we went, and he still loves the game enough to want to stay in it. Tay, as a dad, I don't know if there can be any more proud moment. Congratulations, Dick. It's the best. Thank you. Thanks, buddy. So, we are year-round, as you know here, and so there's plenty always, always to discuss. <laughs> so, and uh, before we go here, I want you to hear the, from the top 25, excuse me, our Power 36. This is our pre-preseason Power 36. All right, here we go. Michigan State won, mainly because I think the core of this team is going to come back. Cassius Winston player of the year in the Big Ten, they're going to have the most returning. Kentucky, Oregon, Auburn, Marquette, Marcus Howard back. Virginia, now I pushed them further down in large part because I expect DeAndre Hunter and Ty Jerome to declare. Hunter probably to stay in the draft. Michigan, Duke, got Trey Jones back. Louisville, going to be loaded again. Texas Tech, they're going to lose Jared Culver. They lose Matt Mooney, but I'm not sleeping on this team anymore. No way. Ohio State with Caleb Wesson. Kansas, you can't put them down too far, although I'm still not quite sure what the roster's going to look like. Florida State, never give up on them with Leonard Hamilton. Florida, Andrew Nemhard is coming back. He'll be an outstanding player for them. Tennessee, um, they're going to lose Admiral Schofield. Grant Williams, don't know yet. Rick Barnes flirted with the UCLA. He's back. VCU, they're going to be the team to beat the A-10 yet again. Uh, Cincinnati, Jaron, Jaron Cumberland is back. Gonzaga, we'll wait and see if Killian Tilly and Zach Norvell come back. They're going to lose Rui Hachimura and likely Brandon Clark. Iowa returns almost their whole team intact. Seton Hall, uh, Miles Powell declare, but I expect him back. And you got that Powell-Marcus Howard uh, combination will be great. Uh, Maryland, where uh, Anthony Cowan is back. And Jalen Smith decided he's coming back, so that's great for the Terps. Oh, and I skipped over Memphis, who's got a great recruiting class, James Weissman. Uh, Penny Hardaway is going to have a team, I think, in the tournament. Oklahoma lose, loses a couple key guys, but they've got the core of their team back. North Carolina is interesting because they lose a ton of seniors, plus Monsieur Little and Kobe White, but I'm never sleeping on them either. Utah State, they're going to be the team to beat in the Mountain West. Sam Merrill is returning for them. Arizona's got an unbelievable recruiting class. Villanova lose a lot with their seniors, but come on. You can't put them too far down. Georgetown's going to have a great backcourt with James Akinjo and Mac McClung. Uh, Baylor, Tristan Clark should be healthy. Houston, 
uh, the core of their team, I, you know, should be back, and they are a great defensive team. Arizona State with Lou Dort, if he comes back, they're going to be in the 36. Washington loses Matisse Thibel, but trust me, with um, Jamel Bay, Quaddy Green, the transfer Kentucky, the zone, they'll be there. Xavier made a late push in the Big East. Najee Marshall, Marshall is back. Purdue, I put them lower because Carson Edwards was so ball dominant, but come on, with Travion Williams, Nojel Eastern, and Aaron Wheeler, Matt Painter will have them somewhere. Don't worry. Colorado, McKinley Wright, love him. Uh, Illinois, Ayo Desunu, uh, and Georgie Bishanasvili. Expect Illinois to be in the mix in the Big Ten. The other teams I consider were Wisconsin, Penn State, Georgia, because I got Anthony Edwards, great recruit, Creighton, Syracuse, Mississippi State, Ole Miss, South Florida, all under my consideration in the Power 36. And we can move these a million different ways, and we will uh, over the course of of the uh, of the next couple of weeks. So here's the deal. March Madness 365 is 365. We are weekly here on our Turner Podcast and our March Madness platforms. I appreciate all you guys listening all over the place. iTunes, wherever you get your March Madness 365, you get your podcasts. It's been a great run this season, but we are just getting started. This has been year two. Uh, Stacey Parra, our unbelievable producer, putting this together every week we appreciate her and uh, our entire team at march madness because they do exceptional work so 2019 is over for the season but 2019-20 begins anew i'm andy katz thanks for listening